Welcome to the D2C podcast, brought to you by M3 Digital. And we're back, episode two of the D2C podcast. Jack, how are you? Good to be back, mate. Good to be back. How are you? Good. It's been a while between drinks. Mm, mm-hmm. Between drinks, and yeah, indeed, it has. It Hasn't has. It? Yeah, we've been knocked around a little bit in the office, eh? So, that's good to be back. All it is fresh, all healthy. It is ready to smash out some some ripper topics. Yep. Yep. All right. Let's get stuck in, mate. First one, um, Facebook related, using Facebook interests um, mm. in your targeting strategy. What's what's your overall thoughts on that? Yeah, it's changed. It's a changing space. I, I think it'll change even more as we move sort of through the next six months, 12 months or so. But, you know, if you're looking back, say, oh, it's all about post iOS, I guess, since the tracking dropped off, you know, that space has really changed. A lot of our brands were scaling interest you know they, those audiences were so so mean you know so thick with with data 100%. the audiences were so accurate we could we could scale them up but that's that's changed a little bit now so you know we see them still work but only at low scale so you know for example you might run um an interest around massages for example and you know that you know you might be able to get some sales out of that but it's not going to be hugely scalable um, yep. That being said, though, um, some of those other interests that are around, based around sort of Facebook pages on on platform data, that Facebook still has control of, that doesn't rely on third party platforms to deliver that data, they they can still be good. They can still be good. So you know, like, um, yeah, Facebook pages around anything really that's yep. kept within Facebook, there's still a little bit of potential there for us to use those and scale those. So there's still like a you know fundamental part of the strategy. Yeah. But yeah, I think you, yeah. the the key thing you touched on at the start is they don't really work at scale. Yeah, you know, yeah. they're, they're great, low budget, 25, 50 bucks a day, maybe a hundred bucks a day. Mm. As soon as you try to scale them, they always fall off a cliff, mm-hmm. particularly particularly lately. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think we talked, maybe we talked about this on the, on the last episode and kind of how we integrate them into our strategy a little bit. Um, it's kind of not really something that we, we, we use at the forefront. Yeah. I think we've like audited a lot of accounts lately and, and even one most recently in the, in the, in the activewear space where um, their previous agency used audiences, uh, uh, Facebook audiences a lot. Mm. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Which, which, I, which I think is interesting because I think majority of brands and even agency partners to brands are using broad or should at least, you know, definitely be moving towards broad, particularly for, you know, for most brands. Yeah. Yeah, it's funny. Um, I mean, it's something that we still don't, um, st- still something that we put a focus on, right? It's something, yeah. that it's kind of like a, a mixed bag, right? Like you wouldn't go to a client and say, just run broad and run nothing else. Broad's still fundamental, say 80% of your campaign. But, you know, on the other hand, we have got certain um, clients that run really, really strong interest stacks, stacks of um, similar interests that may be based around a page. We know it's a Facebook page, it might be like a TV show, for example, that has a big, strong following on Facebook or on Instagram. Very true. Um, and we've got brands that, you know, that's the cornerstone of their account because... It's been, we've been able to scale it. We've been able to see ongoing results at scale and frequency to not drop off too much. Um, sorry, not to, when I say frequency, sorry, I mean scale up. So the yeah. frequency still stays within stays sort of one or two rather than yeah. jumping out to say eight, which some of those, you know, those smaller interests now do. Yeah, that's, um, that's actually a really good point. Mm-hmm. Interest stacking, something that's working and even yeah. just stacking, audience stacking in general, something that we've we've probably had a little bit of success with yeah i think a a fascinating one is kind of taking the google ads approach and looking at it like a stag and then bringing together 
um, related interest to a certain theme that you can put within the one ad set yeah, and totally. stack that in and you can call it, um, you know, you can potentially call it, um, you know, activewear stack or fitness stack or health stack, beauty yeah. stack, yeah. these types of things. Mm-hmm. Within that, you stack a bunch of audiences and that gives you uh, a more plentiful ad set that you can utilize in your strategy and it's t- typically significantly more scalable that's, yeah. that, that's a definitely a good point something we're using too yeah yeah and so like on a slightly different tangent as well uh, i know last time we spoke about the importance of having a singular product for a broad audience to work you know something that also brands can use to say test a new product that maybe has a slightly different audience than their pixel is already used to or already has data around um you know this way you know that you're targeting um you know, the right audience. If it's an interest that's related to that audience, then you know you're targeting the right audience. It's not to say that's not going to skew your data in terms of broads in the existing account. So, you mm. know, there's... there's that's yeah, a, yeah there's, that, that's, a really, that's a really good point. We touched yeah. on that as well on the, in the last episode. Mm. Broad works really well if you've got one type of customer. Yeah. And what you're saying is that if you've got multiple types of products that appeal to different types of customers, use things like interest stacks or, or lookalike stacks they might be able to differentiate. You're yeah. targeting a little bit to the specific yeah. product. Mm-hmm. Good shout. All right, banging on to the next one, cost cap. And when, when to use cost cap, how we apply cost cap, and whether we think it's a good strategy in the current climate. Yeah, yeah. Thoughts? I mean, again, it's sort of like interest day. Eh? Like it comes and goes and, you know, you see it work one day and then not so much the next. Um, yeah. I feel like we're back on that sort of peak, a peak of that curve again. We're starting to see it work in some accounts. And the way that we typically apply it would be breaking out, firstly, working out where the CPL, sorry, CPA lies for your client. So you know, for example, that um, you have their average order value, you know that you're only really willing to pay a certain amount of money for an acquisition. So we normally sit it about there and then we'll toy with it. So we might say it's 30 bucks is what they're aiming for or is their CPA. We might toy with sort of a $25 CPA, a $20 CPA, and then maybe go the other side of it as well and then see which one of those delivers because typically you know if facebook sees the cpa say it's 20 bucks and it thinks that we can't we can't acquire customers at that cost then it's not going to spend your budget but sometimes Mm -hmm. there is that little sweet spot below the cpa that they're after say 25 bucks and they're after 30 bucks it starts spending at 25 bucks there's huge reward in that like and especially if you can scale that as well 100 percent works well for brands that want to be really conscious of that cost per acquisition and don't want Facebook to go spending out and spending, you know, yeah. a lot of money on stuff that's or you know on audiences that aren't going to work, yeah. that actually brings you to a, a, an interesting point. Something that did happen maybe in the last six months or so, Facebook started to behave a little bit differently with cost cap and it started to actually spend above your cost cap, mm. which was something super fascinating that, that we saw. Mm. Um, I think it stopped since. Yeah. So I'm not sure if there's, if there's anything, anything behind that. Anything interesting no, it's, it's sort of a changing. It also varies between accounts. You know, you do yeah. see, see that very, but you're right. That we typically, yeah, it would, wouldn't spend. If it didn't think that it was going to be able to deliver results at that CPA, it wouldn't spend at that cost cap wouldn't spend but yeah like the last six 12 months or so we've seen accounts where we set it capped it quite heavily and it starts spending and spending yeah. and there's no, and it goes way beyond double yeah. that double the cpa that you set as your cost cap yeah and doesn't deliver any yeah conversions but yeah it's interesting yeah i guess another another really good strategy that that you can use cost cap for is obviously find your target cpa or your ideal cpa where you think you're going to be profitable and then if you are, if you are, you can set that in your account and then what you can do is you can use that in your creative testing process where 
um, you could put together, let's say five, 10 creatives. You can run them all on that cost cap of that ideal um, acquisition cost that, that, you, that you would like to get. And then you can identify creatives that are going to get you customers within that cost cap. Mm-hmm. That's also something that cost cap can be used for where you want to do a lot of creative testing, but you're limited on budget. Um, there's a great opportunity to use Coscat in the way that you test your creatives. You want to find creatives that can acquire customers at the set cost that you want. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's almost like reverse. There's two sides. You're like reverse finding what that CPA is or aiming for a CPA yep. based off what you already know. Yeah, um, 100%. Yeah. yeah, Super useful. Very useful. Would recommend. Very useful when it works. Yeah, yeah. epic. Um, cool. Next topic, spicing up your objectives. Um, the way we use conversion objectives within facebook yeah. some some uh some options for definitely people. definitely i think it's it's perfect for someone that's finding we sort of targeting a purchase right naturally your target you want the whole point of running a campaign is to deliver sales right especially ecom um so and if you're a brand that's maybe struggling to you deliver it, you're getting sales but you're not finding it profitable you know your roas is set a one for one or even less than that and it's just not really making sense for you then Another way to sort of squeeze top of funnels, particularly top of funnel, this works well, is by um, sort of bidding on towards a objective such as an initiate checkout or add to cart objective, which is lower intent. So Facebook is going out and trying to find people that are going to add to cart or going to initiate checkout. Yeah. Um, but typically those those customers or potential customers are cheaper. That traffic's cheaper. Yeah. There's the... Um, this, everything's cheaper basically all across the board cost per click's cheaper you know cost of a thousand impressions is cheaper yeah. um, I think one thing that we've noticed especially last six months is that we wouldn't necessarily swing towards those lower intent objectives because they just didn't convert yeah totally but recently uh, two or three of our clients we've, we've been trying these things again because we know that they've been struggling with their top of funnel yeah. return on ad spend and we've been we've been starting to see some results so that's some stronger ROAS some cheaper some cheaper sales, basically, their CPAs went backwards. Yeah. Um, and, and at the same time, you're delivering through cheaper traffic through to your middle of funnel as well. Yeah. Um, so it's been a, yeah, it's, it's been great. It's been, it's been good for a few of our clients, especially in the last two or three months. Yeah, it's definitely something we've um, not necessarily been against, but something with, you know, maybe Facebook or Rep has, has recommended and we've gone, does that really work? Yeah, you know yeah, what I mean? Yeah. Does that really work? We've tested yeah. it. You know, the amount of times a Facebook rep's going to tell you to run link click campaigns, you know. Or it's traffic campaigns. Traffic campaigns yeah. or, or whatever. So super interesting. We're not talking link click when, when, when testing this. We're not. We're talking We're talking maybe ATC, um, add to cart objective, top of funnel, even, you know, just as far back as IC, initiate checkout. Um, no further back. No. No further back in terms of conversion objective. Minimum add to cart. Yeah, yeah. As a, yeah. As a starting point yeah. um, to test. Mm-hmm. Yep, 100%. Yep. Awesome. Um, now, s- s- an interesting one and something super important at the moment um, around building building your first-party data, building your email list, building your SMS list through smart opt-ins and what you can do to differentiate yourself from a competitor. Majority of brands out there, they're running 5% off, they're running 10% off, uh, they're running $10 off. Everyone's running the same thing. And mm-hmm. when consumers are going through multiple different sites, getting the exact same value mm-hmm. in exchange for the email, it just isn't that effective no. in in the current climate. Um, so yeah. what, what's your thoughts? Um, well, my thoughts are that it's a, probably the most important thing when you're landing customers on your site. It go, almost goes back to like the, the stuff we were talking about just a second ago with objectives and getting making sure you're making the most 
of your ad spend. So, yeah. um, you know, we've, we've got a few examples of some stuff that clients are doing to like differentiate themselves from the five and 10 cents, you know, offering free, free gifts or anything like that. The, the most important thing from sort of like a data perspective is that we know with iOS that as soon as people are dropping from Facebook to a face to a, to a website, to your client's website, um, that they're losing that tracking. So one thing that you can do while by bringing up that opt-in rate or the percentage of people that are opting in, the more of that data you're still capturing and then using again in your retargeting um, campaigns on Facebook, for example. Um, so the yeah. more like of that rich first-party data, data that you have, the more likely you are to then retarget um, or be able to retarget your audience um, through yeah, platforms like Facebook or TikTok or yeah. whatever it might be. And obviously, you know, if if you're spending at scale, you're driving a lot of you're driving a lot of potential customers to your to your store. Let's say you're driving I don't know. Um, let's say you're driving a thousand visitors to your store per day. Mm. Um, if if your opt-ins at one percent, it's not going to be hugely valuable. If you can get your opt-in to ten percent, it's going to be ten times more valuable. Mm-hmm. So when you're actually running your putting together your email and your SMS campaigns you're actually going to be generating 10 times more revenue because you actually got 10 times more emails. Yeah. So if your cost per recipient within your emails will actually stay the same, you'll just have a much bigger database. Yeah, yeah. So be unique, offer something valuable, offer something that solves a customer's problem for free, something similar to your product, instead of just offering 10% off or 15% off. Mm-hmm. You know, even fifteen percent off is probably not as effective. Likely not as effective as something super valuable to the customer that you're going to give them for free mm-hmm. in exchange mm-hmm. for the email. Mm-hmm. That then obviously funnels the customer back through to a purchase. Yeah, yeah. Um, game changer. It is. It is. And remember, you you own that audience, not Facebook, yep. not anyone else. That's yep. your audience forever. You retarget them on Facebook. You build lookalikes. Build, look, build lookalikes. You retarget yep. them with future product launches or cross sell to them this the the, the options are infinite yeah yeah that, yeah massive mm-hmm. big wins um last one we'll touch on a little bit in, in episode one we talked a lot about um attribution and kind of that side of things we'll quickly touch on um potential facebook attribution inflation and whether uh it has improved over the last four weeks and whether they've potentially brought back facebook um impression conversions um, mm. what's, what, what's your thoughts on what you're saying? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's one of those, it's quite a controversial topic because mm. no one really knows. Mm-hmm. Not really. No, one, no one's ever going to know. Only Facebook knows, um, you know, where they're getting their <laughs> data do from. Know? Or do they know? They <laughs> might not know. <laughs> Who knows? Who knows? Maybe no one knows. Yeah, maybe. Um, but yeah, for sure. I mean, we're seeing a lot of, so we're, we're talking about third-party platforms last, last week or uh, in the last episode and um we're talking about how we can we can track um, things that Facebook aren't seeing, but at the same time, we're seeing stuff within Facebook that these platforms aren't picking up on. So there's got to be some form of inflation in there. And you know, one thing that you you sort of head straight towards is impression targeting, um, impression tracking, yep. which you know these platforms can can do. They don't have that visibility on platform. They yep. can't track people people that have looked at an ad, not clicked it. Yeah. Um, yeah. So yeah, there's we feel like there's a bit of that going on, if, and you know some of the numbers don't really add up, and we know that we yeah. don't see enough, but sometimes we see more. And yeah, yeah, yeah. some some brands are really underreporting, some brands are really overreporting. Yeah. Yeah. There's really no middle ground. You know, sometimes you think <coughs> that 
Facebook's inflated and then other times you think that it's it's shafting you and you know, another another platform's telling you that your attribution's really good. Yeah. Um, there's really not like any consistency at the moment. I think a big thing as well is it's hurting brands trying to scale. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's hurting brands trying to scale, um, yeah. scaling in the wrong areas, spending money in the wrong areas, you know, getting to a certain point where they're spending $1,000, um, $1,000 a day, you know, generating, you know, I don't know, three, 4K a day and they'll scale and they'll spend 2,000 and they'll still generate 4K a day. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Because there's, there's this interesting um, debacle going on with Facebook at the moment where it's, it's making it tricky. It's making yeah. it tricky. Yeah, I think one thing though, you know, that we can do and the way that we help our clients is by integrating these platforms such as Triple Whale to make sure that we do have the full visibility and we're making the right choices for them and also like redirecting them if they don't already to MER figures. Yeah, yeah, making yeah. sure they know where their MER sits, so we we can scale them profitably. Yeah, um, important. Those those Eco two rise. main things. Yeah, yeah. Are allowing us to um, firstly see the Facebooks making it all up sometimes. Yeah, sometimes. Um, and um, allow us to make better decisions and it yeah. counts. Yeah, yeah. Awesome. Um, it's been a pleasure. Ipto yes. out the way. Be back for some more juicy, juicy topics. Absolutely. Next week. (laughs) See you next time.